I've seen more movies than you, although during the course of the pandemic, I have seen like nothing. What movies do you think we've seen? I don't know. I guess I was under the impression that you watched more films, but maybe not. Maybe it's just because you mentioned to me like a couple weeks ago that you guys saw like a screening of, of the Batman. Oh, well, sure. I mean, I don't think it's a very balanced intake of movies. Like when the recent Spider-Man movie was coming out, he had a desire to rewatch some of the old Spider-Mans. However, he only wanted to watch certain ones, and I, being so completist, was not happy with this arrangement and inexplicably committed to watching all seven of the existing Spider-Man. Oh my god, are you serious? There's seven of them? Well, yeah, because there's three Tobys, two Andrews, and there were two Tom Hollands prior to this one. I think I have seen... Some of the Tobys, maybe two out of three, maybe all three, I don't remember. And then maybe one of the Andrews and zero of the Tom Hollands. Really? Well, by the time we got to Tom Holland, I was like, I'm done with this situation. Like, there's only so many times a man can get bitten by a radioactive spider and I'm going to want to watch this. Okay, hopefully we don't have the kind of listenership that's going to at me, but the Tom Hollands are quite a bit better than the Tobys. Well, I I know that, though, because at the time when I saw the Tobys, we were like in high school and I was like, these are not great. Oh, I thought it was because I was watching them now. You felt that way then? Yeah, well, I saw them back in high school. There are people who think the second Toby maybe is like the best superhero movie ever made. Look, I, I definitely saw these like, I don't know, like 10 to 15 years ago, so... TBH, I don't really remember a lot of what's happened. I feel like for me, it's like kind of the same with like all the like multiple iterations of Batman. I'm like, look, there's only so many times I want to see like Batman's parents get shot, you know, like I just Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, like, you know, like Wonder Woman, like just give me someone else, please. Oh, I just remembered that in the course of my Spider-Man thing, what I actually did inexplicably was I committed to nine movies because... (laughs) We also watched the Avengers movies that Tom Holland is in. Oh shit, I forgot. Did you at least watch Into the Spider-Verse? Because that was the only one I've seen recently that I really liked. Yes, but not as part of this viewing because it's unrelated. Is but it? I ha- it is unrelated, but... But it, but it also has multiple Spider-Mans. You are correct. I okay, mean, wait, it's wait, wait, semi-related, but wait, it's... But, <laughs> but my other point of confusion is that... <laughs> Matt is, like Alex, really into DC. But Spider-Man is not DC, right? He's Marvel. Yes, he's Marvel. But for okay. the longest time, I assumed he was DC because I would say that when we were kids, maybe the three most famous superheroes all ended in man. And two of them happened to be DC. And Spider-Man is the only one who happens to be Marvel. But I didn't know all these words. That's fair. I will say that I basically did not know that there was such thing as DC versus Marvel until like Iron Man came out and I was aware of Marvel's existence. I totally thought they all belonged into some same similar nebulous superhero verse. Yeah, I mean, not to be sacrilegious, but if they did, maybe the DC movies would be better. Yeah, like maybe. Although I don't think we should be having this conversation on the day the Batman comes out seems rude. <laughs> okay, sure. sure, sure. Um, Shout out to all of Matt's friends who inexplicably listen to this podcast. Anyway, shall we? Yeah, let's move on to like a less controversial film topic. (laughs) (laughs) 
controversial because we may be the only two people who have watched it, which is a shame. No, I don't think I don't think we're the only two people. I think like other people watched it. It can't, it only came out like last month. All right, all right. Well, for welcome to Rom Comathon. <laughs> I'm Alex and I'm Kat. Ooh, we're all over the place today. Um, this month we're here to bring you "I Want You Back," uh, which is on Amazon Prime, and I think it came out in February. Yeah, very recently, starring Jenny Slade and Charlie Day, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I enjoyed this movie immensely until maybe the last five or ten minutes where I felt like it was only okay. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm so sorry. No, I really liked it. I was having such a wonderful time. And I'm not, like, upset about it, but I just feel like I don't know that they stuck the landing of it. Pun intended. Yes. Shall I summarize the plot? Yes, please. So... Again, this is a very recent film, so if you haven't seen this, please don't listen to this episode. Just, like, put us on the back burner, watch the movie, and then come back. Okay. Jenny Slate and Charlie Day are two people working dead-end jobs in the same office building who get dumped unceremoniously by their significant others around the same time. Jenny Slate is an orthodontist office receptionist who never finished college, I think, but still lives in her college apartment, whose handsome gym trainer boyfriend of 18 months, apparently Clint Eastwood's son, wants someone more serious who has their life together. So he leaves her for an extremely beautiful pie shop owner who does not still live in her college apartment and inexplicably seems to cater for celebrities, even though this takes place in Atlanta? Yeah, I was really confused, but here she is. She's like catering Justin Bieber's church. I for like the longest time was like, is this Los Angeles? But none of like the the B-roll looks like LA. So, well, we had a whole thing when the movie started and you see, you know, Cityscape where Matt was like, okay, which affordable city do we think this is? And he was like, I'm going to go with maybe Philly. And I was like, I'm going to go with maybe Atlanta because we don't really super know what either of those cities looks like. And then we saw a clip of Jenny and her boyfriend at a Braves game, I think. Maybe Chrissy Teigen and John Legend are on location and that's why this pie shop owner is catering for them. But meanwhile, Charlie Day helps run borderline inhumane retirement homes. He's like the VP of a company and has been with Gina Rodriguez, aka Jane the Virgin, for six years she leaves him because she is a middle school english teacher but wishes she were a pretentious actor living in italy but then instead of moving to italy i guess she's just dating jason from the good place the drama teacher at her school he is hilariously even more pretentious than she is this dynamite couple will henceforth be known as pretentious jane and pretentious jason jenny slate and charlie day meet serendipitously in the stairwell of their office building while both crying over the wreckage of their lives they become breakup buddies and drunkenly conspire to help each other get their exes back jenny slate sets out with great success to seduce pretentious jason and freak jealous pretentious jane out to the point that she leaves him She achieves this by randomly volunteering to help out with the middle school production of Little Shop of Horrors, um, making friends along the way with a tween dirtbag going through some tough times, and eventually gets about 30% of the way into a threesome with this couple. Uh, Pretentious Jane realizes in horror that she is not as adventurous as she thought and rushes back to Charlie Day. Success! 
Unfortunately, the other half of this deal goes very poorly. Charlie Day decides to friend seduce Clint Eastwood's son, which goes swimmingly at first. He joins the gym and gets him as a trainer, and very soon they're hanging out constantly. But after a disastrous clubbing evening where they almost hook up with some high school girls, one of whose dads is played by Ben McKenzie. It's so important to put that in. Um, Clint Eastwood's son decides that he wants to marry the extremely beautiful pie shop owner, which is the exact opposite outcome we were going for. Um, some shenanigans, blah, 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 but basically Charlie Day has gotten everything he wanted out of this deal and a brand new friend, and Jenny Slate has gotten nothing. Also, obviously, they've been slowly falling in love with each other along the way. So Jenny Slate is not even upset about Clint Eastwood's son anymore by the time this happens, but unfortunately, she's done such a good job that Charlie Day, oblivious to their like kind of feelings for each other, immediately gets back together with Pretentious Jane. There's also some thematic stuff about each of them like influencing the other positively. Like Charlie Day gives Jenny Slate a self-help book and some advice, which combined with her bond with the tween dirtbag enables her to move out into her own place and realize that she wants to go back to school and become a guidance counselor. While Charlie Day um, confesses his weird lifelong dream of making nicer retirement homes and how he hates that he's literally doing the opposite, and Jenny Slate encourages him to chase that dream, which then he does. Anyway, after the semi-success of their plan the awkward part that they haven't thought through is it would be nice to at least get to remain friends but unfortunately pretentious jane cannot know about all this subterfuge and that charlie day is friends with the woman who invaded and destroyed her previous relationship so he friend dumps jenny slate which is fair enough but also very hurtful but then clint eastwood's son is so goddamn evolved that he invites jenny slate to his wedding and she randomly takes pretentious Jason with her because she runs into him while out to sad dinner alone. So then these four people have a very awkward reunion at this wedding while Clint Eastwood's son has no idea what's going on. Um, Charlie Day has been slowly going through a process of missing Jenny Slate and realizing that maybe pretentious Jane isn't the one. And upon, I guess, seeing her at this riverboat wedding in savannah inexplicably decides to go after what he really wants on a boat at someone else's wedding uh this goes very badly for him and everyone else so now he's you know alone and everyone hates him but then he and jenny slate are awkwardly on the same plane home because i guess savannah and atlanta are far enough apart that you could fly and there's a whole like thing before about Jenny Slate thinking that it's romantic to ignore the instructions and put on someone else's plane mask before your own. And then he does that and she realizes that he is the guy she thought he was, which then she thought he wasn't. He's the guy for her. I thought this was a phenomenal movie until... The very end where I was a little bit like, we're doing this with the plane thing. And then also extremely disappointed that it ended immediately before they actually got together. But didn't you see the plane thing coming? Like they made such a big deal. They brought up the airplane mask things like twice, maybe thrice before it happened. No, sadly, I was enjoying the rest of the movie. So I did not see it coming. 
I was like, oh, this is obviously going to come back around. But I just like kind of wasn't sure like exactly how it was going to come back around. And then once they got onto the plane in the very last scene, I was like, oh, I see what's going to happen. Sure. But I did I did kind of think that maybe there was going to be like more of a confession or something of a kiss. But I guess they kind of just decided to end it there, which like I wasn't like psyched about. But I was like, this doesn't tarnish the rest of the movie experience for me. Yeah, so... I wrote a plane. How far apart are Atlanta and Savannah? And then, really? We're doing this? A little dumb. It ends there. I changed my mind. I hate this movie. Wow, that is very strong. I mean, I enjoyed it very much. And I literally thought that every previous turn they executed really well. So I think I was a little bit disappointed by that. And maybe a little bit some of the stuff at the Mm -mm. wedding. I don't know that I actively disliked it. But I just don't know that it was as strong as all the lead up. But... I was very complimentary until that point. Okay. Because I was about to say, I think this is one of the best, like, newer, like, one of the better newer rom-coms that we've seen. Oh, it was, like, a freaking miracle that we have watched two decent new movies within, like, six months. What was the other one? Oh, Sing All the Way? Within, like, three months? Yeah. Yeah. That does remind me that I, too, had questions about how far apart Atlanta and Savannah were because, I don't know, I was just kind of the impression that you could, like, drive in between these two places, and then I... It's about four hours driving, I checked. Oh, okay. So it's basically like if you were to take a tiny plane from JFK to, to Logan and it would like be like half an hour in the air. Correct. Yeah. One of those flights that they say is like an hour, but it's actually like 20 minutes. Yes. I had that experience when I was flying to New York from Boston and it was like we were like up and then we were down. Um. Okay. Four hours. That's now, now I kind of understand. Um... But I was like, seems extreme to hit this air pocket, like in between Atlanta and Savannah, but okay. So hard that the masks came down? I know. I've never had that experience, like knock on wood, thank God. I never want to have it. But I did read recently that from like a a pilot that no planes have crashed because of turbulence since like the 70s. Oh yeah, Alex is afraid of flying deeply yeah i have lots of anxieties it's better now it's it was it was worse when i was younger but um it's still like i still get nervous um so i thoroughly enjoyed their chemistry um i really liked their relationship but i did feel that charlie day had like slightly more i feel like he had more grounds for complaint given that he and gina rodriguez had been together for six years like he was going to marry her and when she like suddenly like dumps him out of the blue like after six years i too would be a little surprised But they have different personalities, you know, like she clearly, it makes sense that they both have these outsized reactions, but for very different reasons. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. But like, she's like so upset about like, what is the name? Scott? Scott Eastwood? Is that his name? Um, Yes. Yes. Clint Eastwood's son, which yeah, I didn't realize it was him. But Alex like midway through the movie was like, is this Clint Eastwood's son? He looks exactly like him. Well done, Alex. What happened to us was that I was like, I have names for everyone else, either their real name or their fictional name. And I don't know these two, these other two people at all. But then we paused for like dessert or something and that Amazon bar was up that said Scott Eastwood. And Matt was like, oh, that's Scott Eastwood. And I said, what's he from? And Matt said, Clint Eastwood. I was thinking he was going to say like, oh, he was a star of One Tree Hill or something. But anyway, so then immediately I was like, does that mean Clint Eastwood was really hot in his youth? Yes. And we Googled. The answer is evidently 
Yes. Yes. We did not know that. Matt was like, no, I think he was also spindly and weird. And then we Googled and he was quite wrong. No, I knew he was hot in his youth. I don't know why, but. Also, how old was he when he had this kid? Because Clint Eastwood is like 91. Yeah, but he has like a bunch of kids. Oh, okay. It's one of those. Yeah. Doesn't he? He's had like five wives or something. Actually, hold on. Yeah, I checked. Scott is like 35. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he's, Clint Eastwood's got a bunch of kids. Anyway, yeah, so basically I was kind of like, you know, I just feel like Charlie Day's, like the reaction, like Charlie Day's reaction makes a lot more sense to me, Jenny Slate's reaction, but you're right. Like they have, they kind of have like their own personality reasons for like why they're so upset. And also 18 months is not nothing. It's true, but I kind of felt like, you know, at the end, like, Scott Eastwood did, like, say it. Like, he was kind of like, I don't even know why you were so upset because, like, did you even like me most of the time we were together? Like, what did I bring to this relationship that you liked so much? And, like, I was kind of like, yeah, like, that's kind of how I feel, right? Like, it was kind of like, what was he even doing here? Like, he obviously, like, loved training and the gym and she kind of, like, didn't give a shit. He was hot and aspirational and she didn't know what she wanted out of life. Yeah, that's true. But... The other thing I will say about that is near the end, Matt was kind of like, I don't really get it. Like, he seems kind of fine while pretentious Jane seems terrible. And I was like, I'm so fond of Gina Rodriguez that I would dispute this interpretation. However, they're clearly on different journeys, which is to say, like, she doesn't need to get back together with Scott Eastwood to realize what she wants. Whereas, like, he understandably loved Pretentious Jane extremely deeply and needs to sort of work through that. I wouldn't say that Gina Rodriguez was, like, terrible. Like, I don't think she made great decisions in this movie, but... I don't think anything in this film led me to believe that she was a terrible girlfriend in those six years. I was going to say, when we saw those clips that were like, what kind of person is putting entire videos on their Instagram stories? They seemed happy. And when she abruptly leaves in the middle of the threesome and is like, no, he wasn't boring. He was nice. It's like, yeah, like maybe you guys could have just been happy with each other. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there is like some kind of, I mean, I think there are a lot of relationships like that. I think there are a lot of couples who are like that. And I think that's, yeah, and I think that's fine. Yeah, I enjoyed her so much. You know, with any actor, if you've you've watched them in one role a lot, you always see that role. But I really enjoyed the added note of intense pretentiousness. I know, it it was really funny. I really enjoyed, like, I was just like happy whenever she was on screen. And I was kind of just like, "Mm, she looks so great. She looks so nice. Yes, like at the top of this is, holy shit, Jane's nephew is so fucking cute. Sorry, I will be calling her Jane for this entire film. Also, she is so beautiful. Yeah. As was the pie shop owner who was beautiful decor and barely played a role. Oh my God, she was so beautiful and like wonderful. And like, I was like, I want this quiche. Um, Of course, like we didn't really get to know her at all, except that she seemed like a really put together, like emotionally mature, like beautiful woman. And I was like, yeah, I can see why like you would like, like if this is like what you wanted and you like met her, you would be like, yes, I got to lock this down. Yes, she was extremely beautiful and perfect seemingly they will have gorgeous children um i also really enjoyed um many many jacinto's uh role in this jason um we've now seen him in like a couple of other things like besides the good place um but every time alex is like yes i'm here for this when he took off his shirt alex was like "Mm -hmm, yep yes truly mind-blowing yeah, she was like, I'm very, this is great. She is really into him. <laughs> um, and 
<laughs> just like enjoy that whole situation. But please, let's we need to talk more about the Little Shop of Horror, like the the show within the film. Um, so first of all, as a if I were a parent at this middle school, I would be really concerned that they just let this strange woman come in and volunteer to work alongside middle school children um, without any kind of background check whatsoever. She doesn't have a child who goes to this school. Yes, or seemingly any relationship with the school at all. Yeah, like, why was she allowed to stay? And secondly, like, her whole, there was, like, a whole thing with, like, you mentioned, with her, like, befriending, like, this 12-year-old, like, who is there as kind of, like, a punishment, um, who's having, like, a rough time because his dad, like, had an affair. And, like, and, like, Jenny Slate, like, really, like, this is what causes her to sort of think, like, oh, maybe I want to become a guidance counselor because she, like, does so, does, like, a great job, like, bonding with him or whatever, but... Like, she gives him a ride home at one point. Oh my god, that blew my mind in the year 2022. She gives him her phone number at the end of the at the end of the musical. And I was like, these are wildly inappropriate actions. Like, I know this is supposed to be a wholesome storyline, but all I can think is stranger danger. Like, I would be horrified as a parent. I was like, does his dad know? His dad certainly doesn't know. They even kind of lampshade it with her being like, don't just get in cars with anyone. And I'm like, don't get in the car with her. Don't get in the car with Jenny Slate, a woman who has not had a background check. I mean, admittedly, she's been hanging around forever and women are much less frequently sexual predators of children, but still, it's not good. No. And it's also like dicey for her, you know, like you don't want to get in a weird whatever. But I just couldn't, I was like struggling so much. I was like, Manny, both Manny Jacinto and Gina Rodriguez are like responsible for these children. Like they could lose like their teaching licenses if like someone was like, why would this, why was the stranger allowed? The school would get in so much trouble. Like what the hell is happening? Yeah, they both are clearly like, well, this is kind of weird. But then after that, just roll with it. Yeah, that was wild. Um, I did really enjoy the choice of watching 12-year-olds put on Little Shop of Horrors. To me, the 12-year-olds looked like they were eight. So it was even funnier. They were wonderful. And I particularly loved the teeny tiny Seymour, who was like half Jenny Slate size. I know that was so cute. I really enjoyed it. There's like a whole like sequence where she has to like play um, Audrey during a like dress rehearsal uh, for Little Shop. And because she lied and told Manny Jacinto that she had played Audrey in high school, um, he asked her to like just like do the blocking and like sing. And she gets like super into it because it really matches how she's feeling. And she has to sing with the tiny Seymour. Oh my God. So cute. I loved it. I thought she had a good Audrey phase. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she looked great. Yeah. Um, anyway, I really enjoy that sequence so much, but I just had to express, like, my whole, like, discomfort with that storyline. Like, I could never fully enjoy it or, like, find it either, like, you know, really, like, enjoy the humor of it or anything else because I was, like, so much, like, oh my god, Predator. Like, I didn't mind so much when she was talking to him at the auditorium, but when he got in her car, I was like, no, kid, don't. She's pulling over on the side of the road, run. I know. And it's like, teachers gave us rides home or whatever when we were in high school and stuff, but like, we were, like, they were our teachers. But even like a parent's friend would be less unsettling, although I guess... Yes. I guess that's actually, like, there's no reason to believe that's true, so... No, there's no reason, but at least there's like a connection, right? Like, when Jenny Slate showed up, I was like, how is she going to spin this? And the answer was, she doesn't. 
Yeah, like I guess you could at least feasibly believe that human whatever would cause people to think that she was safe if she like knew someone, exactly. which she does not. Yeah, she literally just shows up and he's like, oh, are you a parent? And she's like, LOL, no, I'm way too young and I'm single. And I'm like, oh, I feel like they would just kick you out now. Uh, yes. Though I must say that thing where she went on to play Audrey, I did not expect her to pull it off. And so that was a pleasant surprise. And I was like, oh, I guess that's why we earlier saw her like quasi singing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good. Did we know she could sing? I didn't know she could sing. I really enjoyed that. I also love Little Shop. So it was just really fun all around. I wrote, high school theater is moving. Don't at me. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they're 12. Yes, middle school theater is moving in this case. Those yeah. little kids did a great job. Yeah, I really think so. I really enjoyed all of the theater-related scenes, so much so that I didn't mind that this production inexplicably began with Suddenly Seymour. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the cameo of Ben McKenzie. Thank you so much for mentioning, because I was like very excited to talk You're about You're welcome. It. That was for you. I know. I like screamed when it happened. I was so <laughs> happy. Um, it was just like delightful, both delightful and weird to me that Ben McKenzie can now play the father of 17 year olds rather than a 17 year old himself. I mean, he should have never been playing a 17 year old in the first place, but you know. Wait, let's do the math real quick. So the OC was what, 15 years ago? Um, it aired in like something like 2004, I think. Okay, okay, okay. He was supposed to be 16, but I think he was 26. 26? Yeah, something like that. He was like 25, 26 when he appeared on the OC. Oh, no. Okay. Originally aired 2003. Ben McKenzie is born in 78. Okay, so he was 24 or 25 when filming that. He is now 43, which... That's feasible. He's he's a little young, but yeah. It's feasible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little bit like, I know that it's been a while, but is he old? Kind of like when Jennifer Garner was the mom in Love, Simon, and I was like, are we here now? I know, right? I Anyway, I was just like, it made me laugh so much. I was so delighted. It like kind of saved me briefly from the horror that Charlie Day nearly hooked up with a seven-year-old. I mean, he too was horrified, like appropriately. Yes, to his and Scotty Swit's credit, they both were like, oh no. Yeah, like we must leave. Like as soon as he realized, he was like, how old are you? She's like 23. And he's like, how old are you? She's like 19. And he's like, mm, how old are you? And she's like, okay, fine, 17. He's like, okay, I gotta go. Uh, Yeah, I did think Pete Davidson's cameo as her ex was quite funny because when Ben McKenzie came home, he was like, oh, her dad sucks. And like <laughs> jumped over the fence or whatever. I know, I also enjoyed that. There were a lot of like people in this film where I was like, oh, delightful to see you. Yes, it's always nice when like comedians make movies and just pull in other funny people. I know. Um, Did you think that Charlie Day's dream of opening a nice retirement home was kind of funny? Well, so did Jenny Slate. Like, it was cute, but weird, I think, basically what she said, or like, so sweet and so weird or whatever. I know. And then it was really funny because he says to her, like, oh, I just love old people. And I was like, just like, as a whole, like... (laughs) Well, there was some funny foreshadowing. Well, first of all, he mentioned whatever grandparent raised him, but he also earlier had said, like, my dry cleaner was really into me until she died of natural causes. (laughs) And... He's helping that old lady. There's a couple of little things. I miss both those things. I miss that he said that a grandparent raised him, and I miss the dry cleaner reference, I think. 
Oh, he explains in the scene where he confesses the retirement home dream that he grew up kind of like in a retirement home, basically visiting his grandparents. Oh. So there is backstory. It's not super weird when you hear the context, but it's very weird out of context. I was, okay, so I missed that. I, I, might, I missed a couple of things because we were watching it last night, like in the bedroom. Um, our cat, Sefi, just had surgery yesterday. So we were like watching her. And, like, anytime she, like, moved or, like, got up, we would have to, like, pause the movie. And so I must have missed something. But no, it's a very, like, lovely and admirable but odd dream. Very cute. Okay. Now I kind of understand because for me, it was more like he was just like, I love old people. And I was like, you you do? <laughs> I like old people. I think love is maybe strong. but Love love is strong. Love is strong for me. Um, I had a weird moment when the college students that Jenny Slate lives with first appeared where I was like, who is this guy? He looks so familiar. And at first I was like, Skylar Aston, the kid from PS. I let, no, 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 no. And then I looked it up and he's A, from Booksmart, which is, I think, why I know his face. Oh. But B, he's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. So I, it's possible that I don't even know his face. I was just like, you look familiar. <laughs> I feel like nepotism is like really like showing up big like these days. I don't know. Besides like the Scott Eastman, like now Kiba Gooding Jr.'s son. I was watching, I watched the pilot of Euphoria today and I was like, okay, Maud Apatow. Like, you know, like just like, I'm like, I don't like, I feel like all these children were like really young and now they're like old enough to like be like actual actors. Yeah, there's a lot, but I think that's always been true. We just didn't know because when we were kids, we typically would know like the younger actor, for example, Drew Barrymore rather yeah. than her predecessors or like um god so many people Kate Hudson etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah 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 for sure um we we also were like who are these roommates like they look familiar but not him it was more her and then we realized she was in um uh Kimmy Schmidt oh okay 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 yeah, I guess I, the thing is about this film is that, like, aside from, like, the ending, which we kind of talked about, like, I don't really have that much to say about this movie because it was good. You know, I just, like, thoroughly enjoyed myself, had a good ride, um, thought their chemistry was good, thought their friendship was good and the way they laid it out. But I would say, like, impressively, I, unlike you, like, I wasn't, like, upset about the ending. Look. So I kind of was like, oh, this was, like, really solidly put together. Like, usually with these kinds of rom-coms, I feel like I'm, like... I enjoy most of it, but something's off, like either emotionally or structurally, something's weird, but, or like the relationship is weird. But this one, I was like, yeah, really solid. I thought they did the progression of their relationship under the surface really nicely. Like we not only got the normal sort of becoming friends, hanging out, confiding in each other, blah, 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 blah. But like even the turn when he gives her the self-help book was really well executed because like at first she's kind of defensive and then he's like, no, like, you know, I just felt like you helped me and I wanted to help you. That's super well diffused. Yeah, I actually had that exact thought when we were watching it. Similarly, I thought the turn at the diner where she kind of like realizes her feelings for him in the moment was really well done. Yeah. Um, 
I think the thing with me about the mask thing is that even when she first mentioned it, I was like, I hear you about the like teenage romance of this, but why can't your adult partner put on their own mask? But I think that's your like the pragmatism of you. Are you going to like fight with them to put on their mask first and then like pass out on the ground so they have to then put on <laughs> your mask? No, like I totally agree with you, right? Like I don't think it's the height of romance and I think you should put on your mask first. <laughs> but to be fair, they're both insane because when they first hatched this plan, I was like, it's so important that you're both drunk at this point in the plot because my God. I know, right? Oh, that was a great sequence when they're doing karaoke. I particularly loved that in the background, you could see like the Asian karaoke video. Oh my God, me too. (laughs) But yes, truly my mask complaints aside, I really enjoyed this. I particularly enjoyed everything that took place at the theater, but all of it was good. Um, As we were watching this though, Alex was like, I want to attend a wedding on a riverboat. And I was like, oh, this is very specific. Unfortunately, when I see riverboats, I can now only think of Ozark where they have like a money laundering casino on one. Oh, bummer. But the wedding did look beautiful on the riverboat. Yes, I did enjoy the like one semi funny moment with the pie shop owner where she was being like, get them out of here. And he was like, we're on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed when... At first, like, everyone is showing up and, like, Jenny Slate realizes, like, oh, shit, like, this is, like, you know, like, this is a bad situation because she and Manny Jacinto are there and they both, like, take these, drain their wine glasses in unison. It was just a funny image. I really liked it. That, like, sort of denouement where they're, like, all four of them standing there plus Scott Eastwood who has no idea what's happening and each of them is separately, like, realizing a new wrinkle of this horrible situation is fabulous. I know. And to transition to like favorite scenes and favorite lines, um, one of my favorites was when Manny Jacinto at the end is like, were you even really in Little Shop Wars? <laughs> and she's like, no. And he's like, you're a psycho. And storms up. But it's like, did you not know this from the moment this woman showed up? No. It was like, that was the breaking point for him. She wasn't even in Little Shop. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I'm sure that my best scene is probably something on that half of the shenanigans, like Little Shop related. I did enjoy their aborted threesome. (laughs) Me too. That was very funny. When Jenny Slate first proposed it, I was like, yeah, 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 okay, okay. Because I think maybe I had seen it in the trailer, so I knew it was coming. But Matt was like, oh, big swing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, is this how one propositions some like a couple for a threesome? Like, how does one do it? I just like wonder, does it naturally come up? Like, speaking of threesomes. Just cash. Just totally cash. cash. Yeah, totes cash. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I love like little things. Like we saw Pretentious Jason's Equus poster. Uh, when Gina Rodriguez is like flipping out, she says, Alexa, play anything. I really enjoy that as well. <laughs> it was a wonderful read. Um, yeah, and it felt even, like, emotionally organic when she suddenly realizes, like, I cannot live this way. And I like the nice moment between her and Jenny Slate where she's, like, with this horrible woman, sorry. And Jenny Slate's like, no, I'm not being great. (laughs) Yes, I really like that line as well. Um, yeah, that was really funny. Um, I really liked some of the scenes, like, some of the conversations between Jenny Slate and Charlie Day. 
you know, like I enjoyed them. Like I enjoyed that like old person scene, like where they meet like the old lady. Um, and she tells him to like go for his dream of like opening his own <laughs> retirement home. Um, I, and ask her out. Yeah, I enjoyed the. Um, I enjoyed like the scene where they're talking about the airplane mask thing where they're at the movie theater watching, I think it's Con Air, um, which I wouldn't have known except Alex asked me if I had ever seen this movie and I said, God, no. Well, we saw the marquee and I was like, which one is it? Because I also did not know. Well, I-, I guessed it wasn't the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, and he was like, there was a guy getting mad at them and he was like, the movie's like 25 years old. I didn't think I'd spoil it. But I guess if you and I had been there, he could have. Yeah, exactly. I too would have been peeved. But overall for me, like, I, you know, it's hard to choose like best scenes because I thought the whole movie was so like even. Yeah, I was emotionally prepared after Single All the Way. So I worked harder to not write down like every single line. But I have a few. Okay, yeah. Um, this is totally unrelated basically to the main story, but I loved when Charlie Day is making friends with Scott Eastwood and he's training him at the gym and Scott Eastwood is being like, keep your knees above your feet. And Charlie Day says, where else would they be? I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed the scene right before it when Scott Eastwood is trying to take a picture of Charlie Day for like, you know, to like, for like before and after, I guess. And Charlie Day like just refuses to take off his shirt. And like <laughs> Scott Eastwood is like, no, you like, come on, come on. And Charlie Day's like, nah, let's just, let's just do this. Let's just do this. I loved when he and Scott Eastwood were eating and he discovered that Scott Eastwood thinks the expression is get back on the whores. Oh my God, that was it. I was trying to remember what else I really loved and it was that <laughs> sequence. <laughs> get back, like, and he's like, get back on the horse. And he's like, no, why would you say that? Like, wh- like, why would you fuck a horse? <laughs> and Charlie Day's kind of like, it's a really old, ex- you, we can't get hung up on this basically. But I was like, oh, I now understand that Scott Eastwood is stupid. <laughs> But, but also his logic did make sense. <laughs> like a crass but accurate expression yeah. in this situation. Although to be fair, that expression is not exclusively for breakups. Yes. Like when you fail at another thing, it would make much less sense to get back on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to know, why are you falling from a whore anyway? <laughs> that's the part that doesn't make sense you know one can fall from a horse he means like get back on hanging out with the horse i think or it's like a pile of horse if it's like really (laughs) debaucherous um yeah it's it's a very exclusive club um on on a different note, I enjoyed Pretentious Jane's voicemail message, leave me a message or anything you think might make me feel inspired. It was perfectly horrible. And I also enjoyed when Jason Manny was trying to persuade Jenny Slate to take him to Scott Eastwood's wedding and being like, oh, we have so much in common. And one of the things he said that really spoke to me which is probably not good, was we both don't respect our arteries because they're sitting there like eating salami. <laughs> I also like that. I was like, yeah, same, same, sir, same. (laughs) I too love a good salami. No wine for me, but the salami. I don't think I've ever eaten quite so much cured meat, but I'm not saying I wouldn't. Um, oh, you know, there was some nice small stuff. These aren't best lines, but like when you mentioned about Charlie Day and Gina Rodriguez's quite long relationship, it's nice that they got a moment to talk about that, to be like, I don't regret our time together. We went through a lot. And he even acknowledges like, 
it's just hard because I used to tell you everything, which is so real if you're with someone for that long. Yeah, I, I, I think that was nice. And it wasn't like, you know, he wasn't trying to vilify her in any way. I did enjoy that they got to have a moment of rapport of Jane being like, except for that time you got a woman to break up me and my new boyfriend. I don't feel lucky about that. And he was like, nor should you. <laughs> um, anyway, on to worst. Do you have worst? Um, I mean, for you, clearly it was the end. <laughs> Correct. Uh, for me, you know, not so much. I think the, I think when he was with the, hanging out with the teenagers and he was, they were trying to get him to jump in the hot tub. I was like, oh, please, no, no, please oh, don't. I so thought he was going to end up in the hospital and I'm glad they veered away from that. Yeah. But aside from that, like, no, I just, I really had a good time. Um, I have one worst line that was not related to anything terrible that actually happened which was when either charlie day was trying to dissuade scott eastwood from being with the pie shop owner or he was trying to make jenny slate feel better about the pie shop owner but he said there's very limited options when it comes to pie but um i disagree and i disapprove um i do now remember my worst sort of sequence which is obviously the thing with the kid oh well yes the scenes were actually nice. It was just so hard to suspend disbelief that this was at all appropriate. Yeah, like completely inappropriate. I just couldn't get over it. I don't know. Like much like when I was reading a book about like these people hooking up on like a magical New York subway and I just thought that is disgusting. Don't put your body there. Oh. Um. Anyway. People of color? Oh, yeah, people of color. Well, Gina Rodriguez, uh, Manny Cinto, and uh, Scott Eastwood. Jenny the pie shop. Yeah, the pie shop owner. She has a name. It's Clark Bacco, but I didn't know it, so I didn't call her that ever. I didn't know that. Um, then, like, one of Jenny Slate's roommates. Uh, yes, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. Little Audrey, Little Seymour little for sure. Was Little Audrey also a person of color? I thought she was Asian. I think she was Asian. I couldn't tell because of the wig. <laughs> but at first, when Jane was fitting her for the dress, I had forgotten that she dies in a white dress, by the way, but I was like, oh, oops, we've just spoiled Little Shop of Horrors. Sorry. Um, there were also three tiny doo-wop girls who were all black, if I recall. Yeah. I think there were quite a, you know, quite a few people of color, neither of the two who fell in love, but... Unfortunately. Progress, I guess. Ah, uh, still in this place where secondary and tertiary characters can be people of color. It's hard. Even though I really enjoy both Jenny Slate and Charlie Day. Yeah. Um, what would you rate this film? Maybe eight-ish? Oh, okay. I think it, for me, it might have been higher, except... Then I was so outraged. <laughs> I think for me, it was a nine out of 10. I, by the time we got to the end, like Alex asked me like, oh, what would you rate this? And I was like, I think a nine. I think I would have felt the same way if I had not been so disappointed at the end, I guess. Yeah. Maybe eight and a half. Okay. I'll go with eight and a half. That's a good compromise. Like eight and a half out of 10 oxygen masks. Eight and a half out of 10 suddenly Seymour's. Um, eight and a half out of 10 humane retirement homes. Eight and a half out of ten Equus posters. Eight and a half out of ten threesomes. Oh. Well, thank you so much for joining us this month. Um, I hope you guys will check out the movie if you haven't. I mean, if you haven't, I hope you didn't listen all the way. But um, if you uh, don't mind spoilers and you still haven't seen it, really highly encourage it. It's free on Amazon Prime. It was fun. Now you'll be emotionally prepared, unlike me. It was really fun. And we hope you enjoy it. And we will talk to you guys again next month. Please follow us on our social media um, where we will have let you know what we're going to watch. And we'll talk to you soon. 
Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at Romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and Romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.